Let's turn back in our Bibles tonight to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 20. Uh, wonderful music again this morning, tonight, and uh, you just can't beat good church music. And uh, it just does something uh, for your spirit. Uh, now, if you're looking for music that appeals to your flesh, uh, you'll have to go somewhere else to find that kind of music. Uh, but I appreciate our music and all those that participate uh, in our music week in and week out. And the choir always does a wonderful job. And uh, I, I don't know what happens to them uh, when we pray for the offering. They all disappear. But um, I'm, I'm, I, I guess they're around here somewhere. But uh, no, they do a wonderful job. Keep praying for everything that is going on. I, I hope you stay encouraged just because things aren't moving as fast as we wanted to move. Stay encouraged. Keep praying. And uh, the Lord knows. And, uh, I, and I don't mind you asking, but I get asked a hundred times. I don't know. When I know, I promise you, you will know. Uh, and, uh, uh, but just keep praying. That's what I would say to you about everything. And God is still blessing. God is still working. We had our Super Saturday yesterday, and I, I want to say we had a 128 is the number that I think we had, and I believe there were 12 salvations, and so we uh, praise the Lord for that, and so and all the work that goes into that went into that and goes into those uh, Saturdays, I certainly appreciate that. And let's just stay faithful and vigilant, uh, stay close to the Lord, and be active. As a church, active as a Christian in uh, the pursuit of the things of the Lord. Tonight, uh, our message is going to be from Acts chapter 20 and verses 1 through 4. Uh, if my memory serves me correctly, and uh, I believe it does in this case, this is the same text uh, that I brought the message from last Sunday night. Uh, do not fear. I am not preaching the same message that I preached last Sunday night, but I will read the same uh, uh, text this evening, verses 1 through 4 of chapter number 20, and putting our focus on verse number 4 this evening. So follow along with me, if you will, Acts chapter number 20, and begin reading in verse number 1. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples, and embraced them, and departed for to go into Macedonia. When he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece, and there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia. And there accompanied him into Asia, Sopater, Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timotheus, and of Asia, Tychus, and Trophimus. Verse 5, these going before tarried for us at Troas. Here we find, if you recall Acts chapter 19, uh, when the, uh, Paul and his ministry created, always created no small stir. We find in verse number 20 that uh, he departs to go into Macedonia. And uh, I preached last Sunday night on the, uh, the missionary life, uh, the things that uh, the goodbyes and the hellos and the work and the opposition. And verse 3 reminds us that there was opposition as the Jews, those uh, religious folks, they, they did not like this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and just depending uh, on the Lord Jesus Christ and having salvation through grace and uh, because of faith. And uh, so there was opposition there. But then I want you to notice verse number 4. And there accompanied him. And there are seven names listed. There is a theme if you study, as we have, the ministry of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is 
on the forefront of Scripture. The Apostle Paul, God is used in a great, great way. And we see all of the attention uh, by the churches uh, when the Apostle Paul comes to town and by all those that the devil stirs up when the Apostle Paul comes to town. But if you're not careful, you'll miss that always behind the scenes, always with not as quite as much fanfare as the Apostle Paul, there are some faithful companions with him. I bring your attention back to when we uh, talked about uh, Aquila and Priscilla and how uh, they were there and, and they helped in the ministry and they even left and traveled a little bit with the Apostle Paul and those that aided the Apostle Paul. And tonight I want to just bring a message, just a very practical message tonight on Paul's companions. I hope we get the idea Sunday morning and Sunday night as we are preaching through the book of Acts that the church is made up of real people. Made up of real people with problems and the churches of this day are no different than the churches of the day we live in today. they made up of sinners saved by the grace of God who have struggles and difficulties and have talents that they give to the Lord to use and, and have burdens that they have to carry and face up as the churches face opposition. Real people saved by a real Savior. And this very night while we're assembled here, they are in heaven peeking over the portals of glory and, and observing of what goes on here. The church, as I preached this morning is a real body made up of real people. The work of God, God never intended for one man to do by himself. For one person to do by himself. You study the scripture. John the Baptist, Jesus himself, said, there's none greater born of woman than John the Baptist, but yet John the Baptist had those with him that aided in his ministry. The Apostle Paul was empowered like I don't believe any man since the days of Jesus Christ. But yet, he had those companions who were always with him, helping him in the work of the ministry. I trust that the message tonight will be an encouragement to us. Father, I pray that you'll take the message this evening, take these simple thoughts uh, that you've impressed upon my heart, and may uh, they encourage us, may they help us tonight uh, as we all partake in your work. Father, I pray this evening that uh, we'll remain challenged to do more for you. We'll be encouraged and edified and built up so we can do more for you. And may we realize the uh, lateness of the hour we live in. May we realize the importance uh, of what we do as part of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. And Father, I pray you'll bless the remainder of time in Jesus' name. Amen. We have Paul's companions and there these accompanied him. And uh, notice that the Apostle Paul, as you know, we've been preaching about it for some time. He, he spent some time in prison. He spent some time uh, beatings. He spent some time facing opposition. And there was uh, that side of the ministry as well as those that he was able to uh, win to Christ. Those churches that were able to be started and encouraged and helped and moved along uh, as they grew because of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. But along the way, as I've already mentioned, and I've already laid the groundwork for, there is always companions in the shadows of Scripture. When you find the empowerment of the Apostle Paul, you find the work of the Apostle Paul, you always find those 
in the shadows accompanying Him. Because as I've already mentioned, uh, God has designed His work that we can all have a part. Aren't you glad that we all can have a part? This, uh, this evening, I could, I could rejoice and we could, and we could praise God all night long the fact that He would love us enough to save us. He would love us enough to send His Son to shed His precious blood as we preached about this morning and, and, and save our sorry, sinful soul. If you can't rejoice in that and testify about that, well, we'll have to have a conversation later because I don't have to dwell on it very long to just get excited and to be thankful for what God has done for me. But not only to save us, church, but to allow us to be a part of His work. Allow us to be a part of His cause. He allows us, let's not think too highly of ourselves to think that God has to have us, but He will allow us to be a part of His work. He will allow us to to do His work through His church. What a wonderful thought. And tonight, I I don't care what your talent level is. I don't care what your background is. uh, God has something that you can do for Him. This church is what it is because of the people that are part of it. That's the way God designed it. God designed it for everybody to have a part in the church. As I preached a little bit about this morning, uh, there's an overseer, uh, there's a pastor, uh, and that is fulfilled. Uh, my wife lets me fulfill that responsibility uh, in the church, and so uh, therefore that, that is the responsibility that I feel, the office that I hold uh, this evening. But you know what? If there wasn't any people to pastor, it just wouldn't be very fulfilling at all. If there wasn't anybody to co-labor with, I tell you, I'd get a little bit lonely. Now, i got to be honest, sometimes I wish that was the way it was, but no, uh, it's it's a working together to do the work of God. Are you out there tonight? But we find here some things about these companions. Look at verse number 4. We find one by the name of Sopater. Aren't you glad you have the name you have? He was most likely a kinsman or a relative of the Apostle Paul. And we do not know how close of a relative he may have been. We do not know how close he may have been. But but that is who he was. And and then we find Aristarchus. Uh, This man was more than likely a fellow prisoner of Paul's. Now, you can draw a lot of conclusions about that. We know that Paul was in prison because of his preaching, and this is more than likely, uh, you can draw the conclusion as a fellow prisoner uh, that Paul more than likely might have won him the Christ during the time that he was placed in prison for preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's who Aristarchus was. We find uh, that Gaius of Derby, he was uh, more than likely a convert. And we find a couple of places, other places in Scripture, uh, in 1 Corinthians, speaks of how Paul baptized him. And, and then in, I believe it's in, in Romans where he speaks of him hosting the Apostle Paul. This is more than likely a convert uh, who traveled with him. We find Timotheus, he was that son in the faith, the the next generation. We find Tychus. In other portions of Scripture, Paul refers to him very fondly. He was a beloved brother. 
and a faithful minister of the gospel. These all came from different backgrounds. You see the parallel tonight? They all came from different upbringings. They all had different abilities and different things to offer. You had Timothy who was from a child, as 2 Timothy 3 teaches, he was taught the Holy Scriptures. Uh, He grew up under the man of God. He grew up in that godly atmosphere being taught the Scriptures. And then you've got somebody who was saved in the prisons. And isn't it a wonderful thing? They can all work together doing the work of God, no matter where they grew up in a Sunday school class, or no matter they were reached after they had lived a life of sin, no matter what it is that there was a work for them to do with the Apostle Paul. We find some things in, they all had in common. We find their love for Christ. And friend, that's what, The thing that you and I tonight as a church, we have the most in common is a love for our Savior. I mean, you think about the local church. It's it's a very diverse place where there's different nationalities represented here. There's different backgrounds represented here. There's certainly different IQs represented here and uh, all different. Uh, some would have the testimony that I grew up in church and all I've ever known is the house of God. And if that's your testimony as it is mine, oh, don't ever feel bad that that's your testimony. You ought to praise God that that's your testimony and be thankful uh, that the Lord allowed you to be reared in a, in a godly home and in a, have a church that you could be taught the Word of God. But if that's not your testimony, now aren't you glad uh, that, that the same Savior who saves the child of the Sunday school class classroom can save the drunkard in the gutter. It's the same Savior. It's the same pathway to heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what we all have in common? We may not have much else in common. We all have a love for our Savior. We find in common that there was a love for Paul, the man of God, this man of faith. They all had that in common. Scripture does not tell us that these all all their personalities meshed. Scripture does not tell us that there was never an argument, there was never a discussion. More than likely, there was some disagreement along the way. But I tell you what they had in common. They had in common a love for the Apostle Paul. They also had in common a love for the brethren. Anytime the Apostle Paul, we find here, he's going to, in this chapter, he's going to address the brethren that he's stopping to see, those Uh, who are uh, co-laboring in the work of the ministry, and he wants to speak to them one more time and address them again. We find them there with a love for the brethren. They also had a love for the lost. Why would they endure persecutions? Because there was the lost that needed to hear of a risen Savior. Why would they endure the hardships? Why would they travel from town to town and coast to coast only to not even have an understanding of what awaited them and what they would face. And if you go back just another chapter of that small stir, you'll find the names of these, some of these men's mentioned in all of that stir. There they were in the mix with the Apostle Paul. Why would they be there putting themselves in jeopardy? It's because they had a love for the lost. Friend, what is it that binds God's people together? It's a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a love for one another, the brethren. But friend, we've got to maintain that love for the lost. 
Why is it that we press forward? Why is it that we make sacrifices? Uh, why is it that we uh, take budget and we will pay for buses and, and advertisement and, and activities to, to bring in a bunch of boys and girls? It's because they can hear the gospel and 12 of them got saved yesterday. There's a love for the lost. But they also had a love for the cause. And I believe every church ought to have these same characteristics. That's what binds them but a love for the cause of Christ. Friend, if God's given you a church, which if you're a member here, He's given you a church that believes the Bible, preaches the Bible, the people, while we're not perfect, we love the Lord. And, but, but I tell you, you ought to love your church tonight, and you ought to love the cause of Christ. What is His cause? We find these things in that they had in common with one another. Now, their personalities more than likely were not the same. Their upbringings were not the same. Their ages were not the same. But what was the same are the things that they loved and the things that they desired to do with their life. They were the companions of Paul. And can I say this evening before we get into the outline that Every work of God, if it's going to do uh, what it has the potential to do for the Lord, has got to understand that everybody's got a part. We've all got to work together. Uh, we've got to co-labor together, be companions together to do what it is that God has created for us to do. And before I get into the outline, let me just remind all of us one more time. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you were saved out of. It doesn't matter what you got way back there in the past. If you're here today, you're saved, you can draw a line and say, thanks be to God. I, I don't talk that way anymore. I don't go to those places anymore. He has saved me by His blood. I'm a new creature. All things are passed away. There's something that you can do for God. There's something that you can participate in. And matter of fact, that's the way God created it. That's the way He organized it. That's the way He planned it so you and I, we could all have a part. Sometimes we sit back and say, I wish I could sing like so and so. I wish I could sing like pastor. I mean, that would just be, a, just be a wonderful, wonderful thing. I'm not sure why that was the reaction after I said that, but... Oh, you hush. You hush. I'll get to you in a minute. Sometimes we say, I wish I could do what somebody else does, or, but you know, there's... There's somebody you can reach that the pastor can't reach. Somebody that you can help that somebody else can't help. There's some, your role may just be to encourage the heart of the pastor when he sees you sitting in your seat, in your place, knowing what your burdens are, knowing what you're dealing with. But we all have a role. We all have something that we can do. Isn't it wonderful being saved? Isn't it wonderful being part of God's church? I say this as sincerely as I can. I feel sorry for people who aren't part of a church like the Emmanuel Baptist Church. What do they do? Who do they call in their darkest hours? Who do they ask to pray for them? Who is it that's going to be there for them to just encourage them along the way and give them that smile on a Sunday morning or Sunday night or pat them on the back as they go out the door? And who is it that's going to hold them before the Lord? It's a, it, it's a, it, we ought to be grateful that God has given us a church to belong to. 
But friend, we ought to be more than just belong to it to belong to it. We ought to belong to it because we want to be a companion along the way of the work of God. We want to have a part in what God is doing. That's the way He designed the church. Now very quickly, let me mention a few things that I want to say about His companions. First of all, we see that they were converts of the same gospel. Paul, we know, met the Lord Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus. You know his testimony. If he was testifying before you and I tonight, he would say, I am Paul, the the religious man. I am Paul, the one who had been commissioned by the church to kill Christians, to shut down churches. Boy, those that were the, the, the followers of Christ, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am the one. Uh, who would who, who caused disarray among God's people, who, uh, as they met and assembled together, they feared that, that Saul would be there and Saul would uh, arrest them or, 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 or murder them or kill them just for believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, who of course was Saul, he would testify, it was I who held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. It was I who participated in those things, but it was the Lord Jesus Christ who I met. And He saved my soul. And I went from being the Christian killer uh, to the preacher of the gospel. Boy, I tell you, that's that's a turnaround that no church can do. That's a turnaround that no religion can do. Uh, there's, no, there's no addiction club. There's no, there's no meeting of different things that can meet together and give you ten steps that can take somebody from that and turn them into the Apostle Paul. Only the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ can make that turnaround. But you know what we find in common here? Everybody got saved the same way. It was a common salvation And friend, this morning, uh, this evening, my testimony uh, is not a very exciting one, but it's one that I get excited about. I, I I was born into a preacher's home. I am a preacher's kid. Now, all of the, the preconceived notions that you have about preacher's kids, you look at me and you know they're true. But uh, I, was, I was a preacher's kid, born into a, a pastor's home. I, I was saved just a few months shy of my fifth birthday. You know my testimony. I was six years of age and God called me to preach. I know for a fact, I remember the night that God, I felt impressed with the Holy Spirit of God to be a preacher and give my life to preach the gospel. I've not lived a perfect life. I've done things that I shouldn't have done. Of course, I'm a sinner just like you are. You're just a bigger one than me. Thinking of you, Phil Sally. Uh, you know, you're just a sinner. Uh, just, I'm just a sinner just like you. But I can be honest, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be in the far country. I thank the Lord for that. I rejoice in that. Well, God's been better to me than, than I deserve. That's my testimony. But friend, if that's not your testimony, maybe you grew up and you didn't have a mom and dad to bring you to church. Maybe you did and you rebelled. Maybe you not only have been to the far country, you can... You can tell all about it. There's some who would say, I wish I had your testimony, Pastor. I, I wish I would have been reared the way you were reared. I, I wish I would have made different decisions. I, would have different, I wouldn't have the heartaches that I have. I wouldn't have the scars that I have. But can I just tell you something tonight? Uh, that me growing up in a church home, and being, I had to get saved. As, as I got saved as a four-year-old boy, I got saved the same way that everybody else got saved in here. 
in me stealing cookies in the church nursery, knowing it was wrong, would have still sent me to a devil's hell, just like doing any of these other horrible sins that we label as as wicked and horrible out in this world. Sin is sin in the sight of God. There is no little sin and, and there is no big sin. It's all sin. We all got saved the same way. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we find a common salvation. Friend, tonight, don't let the devil park on your shoulder and say, because this is what you used to be, you can't do anything for God. Let me offer you the Apostle Paul as an example of what can be done for the cause of Christ. And by the way, let me just say this. We don't find these men judging Paul because of what he used to be. We find them focusing on what he is now through the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime I can just interject this as a pastor, I do. When Jesus saves somebody out of a life of sin or somebody comes back to God, it's not your job, it's not my job to remind them of what God saved them from. And by the way, don't you allow yourself to be reminded all the time, well, this is what I used to do. You were saved from that. That's not what you are anymore. You're a new creature. And you just press on for the Lord Jesus Christ. We find a common salvation. We find that they were converts of the same gospel. We also discover that they are companions on the journey. I mentioned it in the, my opening comments before I prayed that God never intended for His work to be done by anybody alone. He never intended for you and I to walk our journey of life, walk our spiritual journey, if you will, between the time we're saved to the time that the Lord calls us home alone. Aren't you glad that He gives us as Christians companions to serve? Aren't you glad that we don't have to fight the forces of hell by ourselves? Aren't you glad that we don't have to endure the oppression of this world all alone? Boy, it can be lonely, uh, and life can be lonely, and sometimes you walk through that valley that the Lord allows you to walk through, and sometimes you think, am I the only one who, who, who has experienced this? And is, does anybody care? But friend, isn't it wonderful to know that the Lord, first of all, He always cares, and He always knows what you're going through. But isn't it nice just to walk in the church doors and have somebody who has no idea what's going on with you say, isn't it good to be saved? Aren't you glad to be in church today? Can you help me? do so and so over here. Friend, it's a wonderful thing to know that we're not by ourselves. It's, that's why we got to pray for one another. Encourage one another. You come to the house of God to hear the Word of God preached. But you know you're also here to be encouraged by somebody else. But you're also here to encourage somebody else. As I said this morning, as your pastor, it's not my job to make you happy. Some of you think it's my job to make you unhappy, but that's not, that's not it. It's not my job to make you right with God. It's not even my job to encourage you. But you know what? As we work together for Christ, we'll encourage one another. We'll be a help to one another. And we find, can you imagine as Paul, he dealt with his own infirmities 
he dealt with uh, his own battles with his flesh. If you, if you read the, the, the other epistles that he, he wrote, you'll you get, a, get a good glimpse of that. You, you understand his frailty and his weakness and the, the, the onslaught, the spiritual uh, warfare that he participated in as being God's man, taking the gospel into these dark places. Don't you know that these companions were an encouragement to him? Why no Sopater will be there? I know Gaius will be with me. And oh, what an encouragement Timothy was, knowing that there's somebody going to take that gospel and take this truth and have it committed to them, and they're going to be faithful. But what an encouragement they were. And can I tell you, it does your, uh, the, your pastor's heart a lot of good to know that some of you are going to be here. Now, some of you don't do me quite as much when you're here, but no. It does, it does us all good to know that we're not in this by ourselves. That's the way God designed it. That's the way God intended it. We need one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to be praying for one another. But we find there are companions on the journey. One of the most joyous things as a Christian, and some of you, you've been members of this church for over 30 years. You've been saved for a long time. You've been here through all the changes. You've been here through all of the, the four or five or six or seven relocations through the last 30 years. And, and you've been through all of that journey as a church. Uh, isn't it much more enjoyable to have others on that journey with you? Isn't it enjoyable to even some of those you taught in junior high school, you now call pastor? If we both knew then, we both would have quit. But to see the work of God go on, I notice third of all, we find that they were helpers in the work. You know, God did not design the church to be full of spectators, but helpers. Help in the work. I hope you do realize, and I believe you do, but your pastor is just one person. I have the same amount of hours in a day as you have. I have a limited amount of strength, a limited amount of energy. I, I, I have the same limitations that you have. The work of God, the task that God places on a pastor cannot be done by a man. It is a supernatural work. That's why uh, anybody, that's why we're not going this contemporary way. That's why we're not going this other way because it's all done of the flesh, done of man. Only I want the, I want the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to be evident. But God gives us the Holy Spirit to do that which He's tasked us to do, but He's also commissioned the church to be a helper in the work. Do you realize that you make, do you realize the pressure? And, and I know I'm saying a lot about the pastor today, and, and I guess I'm just feeling lonely and I need some attention, but uh, do you realize the pressure that's on the pastor to bring a message that speaks to the heart of everybody there? No matter what, how long they've been saved, no matter what they're going through, Sometimes I'll be burdened by the, because I know just a lot of people are going through a lot of things, and, and God will lay, the Holy Spirit will lay a, a sermon on my heart, and I'm like, God, I don't think that's going to be very comforting. 
But knowing it's what he wants me to preach, I'll preach it and and, and God does the work and and God deals with the heart and God knows what his his people need. But the pressure of when you walk away on a Sunday, I'll just be honest with you, I don't sleep on Saturday night and I don't sleep on Sunday night because you wonder if God did, if God used you to do what he needed to do in the hearts of his people. But can I tell you, you make it easy on this preacher. Everybody loves coming to the Emmanuel Baptist Church and preaching. Even under the tent. It's because it's the Spirit. You don't come just to be a spectator. I know some of you come just to watch the show, but that's not the way God intended it. God intended for you to participate in the work of God. And you know how you do that? Especially out here in our parking lot, when somebody can get parked safely and make it, to the church building without having to have a search party for them. See, those little ropes out there, that's not to mark off the parking places. That's something for you to hang on to so you can find your way to church. The, 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 the greeting in the parking lot. Ushers finding seats. Well, that probably wasn't a good illustration. But ushers finding seats quickly uh, for those that come in and those that sing, uh, asking the Lord to, to, to prepare your heart and asking the Lord to use you and you being right with God and getting up and, and, and singing, in, in, in the, whether it be in the choir or in, a spe, in the special music, you opening your hymn book and singing with the rest of the church. You know what that does? That's the work of God. That's making it easier on the pastor. A, 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 a visitor somebody new not wandering around for 15 minutes trying to find a place to sit. We're all in this work together. Now, you praying all week long for God to do something supernatural on Sunday. That's us working together. There are helpers in the work of God. Fourthly and finally, and I'll be done, we find that they were sharers in the rewards. Much is made about Paul's last words in 2 Timothy how he's finished his course. He's fought his fight. He's kept the faith. He speaks of that crown of righteousness that he anticipated receiving from the hand of the Lord. Can you imagine the ministry of the Apostle Paul, what the reception in heaven must have been like? Paul was highly favored by God, but it was because Paul offered himself as that living sacrifice. God empowered him. God used him. And friend, make no mistake, what we do down here for God, we will get our rewards up in heaven. And you say, well, I can live down here for the things and gather things down here. That's fine. You can spend your life and your energy and your time and your talent achieving down here. But when your life is over, it's done, it's, it's over with, you're leaving it all behind. But that which is done for God is laid up up there. And can you imagine receiving uh, the rewards from Christ himself so that we can lay them at his feet? You'll beat some empty-handed Christians in heaven, sadly. You'll get there. Sometimes, and I'm just going to run this rabbit trail. Well, Pastor, I just don't see the point in this and this. And a lot of times my answer is this. You think there's a reward in heaven for that? 
Now, I might not be able to turn to a passage of Scripture and say where it shows you thou shalt not, but if it keeps you from being part of the work of God, keeps you from doing something for God, you're not get, we're not going to get rewarded in heaven for these temporal things that we put so much emphasis on. But Paul ran his race to receive the reward. But you know who also has rewards in heaven? These seven that were mentioned here with Paul. I've, I've often asked myself this question, and I really don't know if I know the answer. You think of the story of D.L. Moody and how he was won to Christ by a Sunday school teacher, Ed Kimball. You don't know much about D.L. Moody. God used D.L. Moody. Uh, historians estimate that over three million people walked the aisles for salvation in D.L. Moody's ministry. That's a lot of souls. Part of shaking two continents for God. There's probably some rewards in heaven for D.L. Moody, don't you think? What about Ed Kimball? Who reached a teenage boy? The question I've asked myself is, who has more rewards in heaven? Is it D.L. Moody or is it Ed Kimball? I'm not sure I know the answer to that, but you get the point this evening. Oh, it's about all of us having a part in the work of God. We reap and share the rewards that we all have a part in. Like this morning, there was a young man who trusted Christ as a Savior. You realize everybody who participates in the work of God has a part in that? Everybody, somebody came in here yesterday and cleaned this building. You realize they have a part in that? Those that kept the nursery, they have a part in that. The ushers have a part in that. Every choir member that stayed awake, they have a part in that. We all have a part in the work of God. And one day, God's going to say, I got some rewards to hand out for the Emmanuel Baptist Church. And I hope your, your pastor remains faithful and stays all the way faithful, all the way to the end. And that's certain my heart's desire. That is my goal and my intent. But I just happen to believe that there's going to be a whole lot of rewards for all of us to participate in because we all have a part in the work of God. I'd hate to get off this ship and miss all that God is going to give us the opportunity to accomplish together. I've prayed for years and one of my prayers just continues as, Lord, I'd, I'd like to have a part in doing something great for you. But my heart's desire is I want to do it with a whole lot of people together. I want us as a group to do something great for God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So many things that God allows us to do. And, and yes, my next to the word pastor is my name. But friend, as I preached this morning, nothing, nothing is accomplished without God. But can I say everything that is accomplished, we accomplish together as a church. We need companions. We need to serve with one another. We need to pray for one another. Just a simple thought tonight about the companions of Paul. Paul was a greatly used man of God. We know this. Paul was empowered by the Holy Spirit.
Paul's ministry has even affected us today. But let's not forget those who served in the shadows of the Scripture. See, I believe and I'm thankful that God has called men out of our church to go and start churches, to go and pastor churches, to go to the mission field. And I believe that He's going to do more of that in the future, but just as I believe God is going to call people out, God calls people to stay. And say, let, 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 God wants individuals to work with their pastor as a church to do something. Don't feel bad if God doesn't call you to Africa. Now, some of you might rejoice in that. Don't, get, don't feel bad. Some of you young men and you young couples say, well, God hasn't called me. God hasn't moved me. He has. He has called you to work with your pastor. He's called you to work amongst your church. And why don't we just together see what we can do for the cause of Christ? Why don't we all together see what we can accomplish to His honor and His glory and say, well, pastor, I can't do what I used to be able to do. Well, you can pray for your pastor. You can pray for souls to be ready when those soul winners come by. You can pray for uh, brothers and sisters who are struggling, who are going through health difficulties. There's, we all have a part that we can do. Why don't we just decide we're going to do it all together? And, and why don't we decide we're going to be those faithful companions that from here until God calls us all home to glory, we serve the Lord together. Paul's companions often overlooked. But I don't think Paul overlooked them. Paul, they were special to him. They were different. Different backgrounds. Different stories. But when God designed, don't miss this, when God had the will of the converted Saul, the Paul planned out, and the Holy Spirit of God separated Paul, he also had the will of God planned out for all seven of those individuals. And their will, their plan, their purpose, their work for God was to be a companion with the Apostle Paul so that they could do something for his honor and for his glory.